This is the Retags Podcast. In association with Andrew W. Mellon Foundation and the University of Cape Town, Retags is the reimagining tragedy from Africa and the Global South. In this limited series, we will be exploring and contextualizing themes of tragedy as they relate to the inaugural production of the Retags Project, Antigone, Not Quite Quiet, presented by the University of Cape Town and the Magnet Theater. Thanks for joining us for another episode. I'm your host, Emma. In this rendition of the Retags podcast, I sat down with the director of the project here at the university, Mark Fleischman, who also happens to be my advisor while I'm here in Cape Town. He gives a detailed introduction into the nature of the Retags project and Antigone. And we talk about why tragedy is so prevalent and important in storytelling, especially here in South Africa specifically. So why don't we start with you telling us what Retags is. Retags is the Reimagining Tragedy in Africa and the Global South Research Project, funded by the Andrew W. Mellon Foundation. It's a five-year research project, the reception of classical tragedy in Africa particularly, but perhaps the broader global south. It's a project that will have three different approaches to the research. One which is based on archival research into productions of tragedy that have occurred in Africa since pretty much the end of the colonial period, so starting from the 1950s essentially until the present. Uh, The second strand is more performance studies oriented and looks at the notion of the tragic in society outside of the theatre. And the third is an artistic research approach which looks at the creation of four new tragedies, new in in quotes, um, tragedies for the 21st century from from a perspective in the global south. So what are these new tragedies? Well... It's hard to say what they are because the whole point of doing the research is to try to find out the answer to that question. Their responses in in my... I mean, let's say that I I know what one is out of the four. The first one, which is the one we're working on at the moment, Antigone, Not Quite Quiet, involves three different responses to the original play Antigone by Sophocles. And each of these responses approach the original text from a perspective of a particular character in the original play, Ismini, Antigone, and then Tiresias. And although they all are separate, they also sit in a kind of tangential relationship with each other, so they can be read as a triptych of sorts, performance triptych. So why Antigone and not like Oedipus or Orestes or any other Greek tragedy for this particular project? I have already done two productions based on tragedy, uh, classical tragedy before. I have dealt with those other plays and the quest- the answer to the question is why Antigone is not really, there's no real reason for it other than the fact that I suppose Antigone represents um, in the common imagination a young female activist or rebellion, rebellious type character who uh, rebels against the state, rebels against orthodoxy and conservatism when that is seen to go against the older uh, traditions of clan and family 
on the laws of clan and family that the people have lived by for, for a long time. So as the voice of the young female activist or whatever, it seemed to align with a particular situation amongst young South Africans, in the, particularly in the aftermath of the Rose Must Fall or Fees Must Fall movements that had been very much prominent on university campuses in South Africa in the last few years. I don't really have any other reason other than to say that I felt like it was, it was a play that spoke to a particular kind of zeitgeist or a particular kind of feeling permeating society at this particular time, or certainly the parts of society that I move in. I think Greek tragedy as a form arises or comes to the fore, particularly in periods of transition in society, social transition. So I think it's quite clear that the reason why tragedy, one of the reasons why tragedy finds a foothold in Africa in, the t in that particular period from the late 1940s, early 1950s onwards is because it is a moment of transition in, in African society at the time as anti-colonial struggles um, come to the fore and colonialism comes to an end. So you see these productions emerging in the theatres across African countries in all parts of the continent. I also think that um, Greek tragedy was particularly useful at the period of transition in South Africa to democracy. And now we're in a, in a, in a time where I think the, the consequences of that transition have not been fully um, dealt with or the principles and values have not been very well bedded down and, and have come up against unanticipated um, complications or complexities that, that now have the emergence and, and so tragedy as a form is a very useful way of understanding that um, overall sense of felt experience or affect that, that is present in, in the society at the moment. Yeah. So outside of this project, would you say that that is what tragedy means to you specifically? That it's representative of these sort of societal changes or is, do you have a more like personal understanding of what tragedy is? I think it's very important to distinguish between tragedy, the tragic and the tragic experience is three forms. Hans Tisliermann, um, in his book on dramatic tragedy, uh, makes clear that one has to distinguish between these three terms. Tragedy for me is a particular genre, it's a particular form of dramatic writing, or if you follow Lehmann, pre-dramatic writing that had its origins or its kind of greatest flourishing in, in one century in ancient, in ancient Athens, in the 5th century BC, um, and that it has evolved into various newer forms subsequently. What he calls dramatic tragedy, which is very much evident in writers like Shakespeare and Racine, and then later even what might be called modern tragedy, which is particularly theorized by people like Raymond Williams, for example. So for me, tragedy is a form of theater which we can either attempt to restage or an attempt to respond to or adapt in one form or another. The tragic is a kind of existential philosophical idea or concept that operates within society broadly. And tragedies give rise to experiences of the tragic in a particular aesthetic frame. But the tragic also exists outside of that aesthetic frame within the everyday world, in the more quotidian world. And so audiences or spectators can 
have these tragic experiences, whether they are having them in the theater or outside of the theater, but there's a difference between the experience of the tragic, the, the tragic event itself, and the tragedy, which is a particular aesthetic theatrical form. For me, my focus is primarily, or in the first instance at least, on tragedy as a particular aesthetic or dramatic form. I'm very interested in Lehmann's concept of the pre-dramatic. I think my hypothesis overall would be that the reason why these plays found such a strong foothold on the African continent is that their, their stagecraft, the way that they operate on, sta on the stage itself or in the theatre itself, has many resonances with forms of performance that existed in Africa before colonialism and therefore before the introduction of theatre per se. So my argument would be that what was introduced into Africa through colonialism was a particular form of dramatic theatre. Tragedy has been kind of understood to be part of that dramatic tradition and therefore it was not surprising that it should be made available through that imposition. But um, it became popular because um, it was particularly aligned theatrically to the kinds of performance practices people understood. And those were practices that were very much built around the idea of the chorus, um, the idea of collective or community values, and the tension between the community and the individual. They were closely tied to ritual. Their connection to song and to dance, for example, forms of, of corporeality. Those, that's what made the tragic form, I would suggest, appeal to, to an African audience and to African theatre makers. Part of the research in the first instance is to go back and look at some of these productions and to uh, speak to people who were involved in those productions in order to try to understand whether that in fact was the case. So by exploring the theatricality of those productions to understand whether those were the things that were particularly emphasized in those productions. There is a tendency, or there has been a tendency, to turn tragedy into philosophy over the, the centuries. So what was essentially a theatrical form in the fifth century became uh, essentially a philosophical form. Aristotle does that in the Poetics a lot. He, t he, he says that it would be better to read the tragedy rather than experiencing it live in performance. And that process opened the door to various philosophers over the centuries who, who took tragedy and turned it into philosophy. And in, and in that respect, we have a strong focus, very much inspired by Aristotle, but also carried on by the philosophers that followed, Hegel, etc., that we understand tragedy as the text. And particularly, we understand tragedy through the position of the hero or the individual uh, or individuated subject, the, the, the kind of high-born individual, the king, the prince, who, who has this fatal flaw and who falls as a result of this fatal flaw and then is driven to a consequence of great suffering. That model is very much conditioned by this understanding of tragedy, which is on the one instant based on in the text, and the words themselves that needs to be read and not seen or experienced in the theatre, according to Aristotle, and to the turning of theatre into philosophy. Once you return back to the theatre with tragedy, once you start to understand its theatrical elements, once you go back to the chorus, uh, the relationship between parts and wholes, between the group and the individual, uh, once you go back to the, to the fact that the text was sung to a large extent, you start to, to get something that's altogether more 
interesting theatrically that's altogether more strange or other in the way that the audience receives it and that forces us into a completely different kind of affective response rather than simply following a storyline through so if you focus on the individual hero you, you're dealing always with these great moral choices that need to be taken by this great man or that great man at this particular time i think that there's something far more interesting if you go back to what might be described as the Dionysian roots of, of tragedy, back to the idea of the dithyrambic chorus, to the songs and dances around altars, which combined with the myth mythological and epic tradition develops this form called tragedy, which has its, its kind of real growth and blossoming in the 5th century, but then gets dissipated over time. So, so we have to understand tragedy in those terms, and I think those are terms that are very well understood within an African or non-Western or non-European context. And that's what this research project is particularly interested in exploring. When we're talking about stuff like the fatal flaw of the tragic hero, and that being sort of a key point when we talk about Greek tragedy in particular, I always found that to uh, there was something always inaccessible about that kind of character. There isn't really sort of a, when we write modern plays, we don't really have like tragic heroes in that same way where it's this person that sort of stands above everybody. And so I'm wondering if there is a way to translate that kind of tragic feeling into sort of a more, I guess, I want to say plebeian, but I don't think that that's right. It's not, you know, it's not a king, it's not a general, but an everyday person going through sort of the same tragic experiences. Well, I, well, I think that was definitely the one trajectory of of thinking when it came to the question of about is it possible to have modern tragedy. I think the the idea of the the everyman, the basic man, like is a man in most cases. Yeah. Um, but like Willie Loman in Death of a Salesman, for example, not high-born, not uh, occupying a particularly powerful position in society, going through their life in a kind of almost drudge, drudgery kind of way, is the new tragedy for the, well, certainly then in the 20th century. That was considered to be where tragedy went after we went beyond the great man we, or great woman. We came down to the every man or every woman basis, what you described um, as plebeian. <laughs> it's just the first one that came to mind. Um, but I think I would rather suggest that we shift away from this idea of, of individuality towards an understanding of collectivity or and or the essential fallibility of all humans. So all human beings are essentially fallible, which is probably what makes us human. It's one of the defining features of humanity is that we're not perfect. And so you don't need to have one great flaw. It is the nature of human beings to be fallible, right? Understood not as you are fallible in your own individual position, but we are all fallible collectively together. The we need to find ways of dealing with that reality together. Is that why you've decided to have the character of Antigone in this particular production, a group of people? Yes, because I think in the first part of the production, you see as many alone, and it is the figure of the... That is the first response to, to the tragedy. So, Ismini is the sister of Antigone, but she's very much a peripheral character in the original play. And so that was an attempt to say, okay, well, what happens if we give the peripheral characters, the lowly characters, the, the plebeian characters, if you want, more space? And that's what this play does. It takes the... The people from the from the margins and puts them to the center in some way in the first third of the production but then it switches 
it switches to Antigone and here Antigone represents for me the voice of a particular generation, the voice of a particular collective of, of young people. Perhaps it's the, the voice of young women in this particular thing, but I'm not even sure about that. So the choice there is to have a chorus, a collective, what has been described by one of the actors as a disembodied version of Antigone, disembodied in a number of senses, disembodied because the focus is very much on sound and the voice and not on the portrayal of character per se but disembodied also in the sense that it's that it's a distributed characterization distributed through the various bodies of the chorus and that various those bodies are genders various racial backgrounds uh, cultures language groups etc so what you get is the is the depiction of multiplicity uh, rather than of individual individuality i was very keen to for a number of reasons, not to work for a kind of obvious link between the different sections or this kind of teleological plot line running through, but rather to set them in parallel to each other. And, and part of the reason is because, in my view, the old and the new, the white and the black, whatever you want to call it, in those dichotomies in the, in the society that we live in here, in South Africa, they touch without really being able to access each other in a way. In the same way that this many is desperate to access her sister who has been killed or locked up in a cave, whichever way you want to look at it, by by Creon, but can't. So they 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 are connected in some kind of way. They have a kind of reliance on each other for for each other's existence on some level. But they, they define each other in some way, but they cannot touch, they cannot make contact. And that in itself is the tragedy, in my view, of this so-called post-apartheid moment. That if apartheid was about keeping people separate, our project now seems to be about trying to be together, but the being together is not quite working out. So it's not, it's there, it's a fact. We occupy the same space. The white part of society might be considered by the majority to be inconveniently present in a way, but they are present nonetheless. And that's the, the thing that these two parts are trying to deal with here. So I do think that I wanted to start with, so the Ismini section starts with I, the Antigone section is definitely about we, and the Tiresias being an image of, of androgyny or an image of transgender, if you like, as a character in not only Antigone the play, but across a whole range of different forms of performance or forms of writing in Greek culture, is the they, if you like, in pronoun term. You know, it's, it's very difficult to talk about creative work in an analytical way, particularly when you are in the midst of doing it, when you're in the middle of the process of creation, because there's a way in which you can talk yourself out of choices that were on the whole kind of instinctive and their feelings rather than conceptual logical well thought out ideas um yeah especially especially a production like this where there's so many different starting points we're not sort of all starting from the same place with the chorus and antigone is starting from a different place than the than jenny and the ismani part and i'm not sure i could even tell anyone what the tiresias part is right now it's all very Mm. it's all very separate at the moment but it'll be i think it'll be really interesting to finally like see it come together you describe it as a triptych. Is that visually what you're going for when we see it? Like, is it going to be sort of three separate spaces directly next to each other and we're seeing them in succession? No, I mean, you know, it's very difficult because, of course, triptychs 
um, you see all three elements simultaneously. Yeah, that's why I asked. And ask. the question of time is dealt with differently. In the theatre, we see things consecutively or in a series of some kind. Mm -hmm. So maybe triptych is not the right... I mean, triptych is the way I imagine these three things sitting together. But it's palimpsestuous in some way, because what you will see would be, it's in fact the same space that is being occupied by a different set of bodies and a different set of images each time. I think, and I but think the residue it, yeah. of, of, of what was left behind previously will continue to resonate, I would imagine, in the audience's mind. So you're not seeing the second part without consciousness of the first part. Yeah, because I feel like calling them like vignettes would be like too juvenile of a yeah, concept yeah. of what this is trying to look like. That's why I say there are three different responses to the play Antigone. Yeah. Because yes, the audience can go away and say, well, response number one was about this or was done in this way. Response number two and response number three and understand them as three different responses. But hopefully if the piece works and the dramaturgical construction does its work the way I anticipate, there will be a sense of a whole, even if it doesn't continue along a straight line in the way that a well-made play might. The same characters don't appear in all three sections. But it just occurs to me just right in this moment that sort of structurally with the characters and the performers that it's almost like the way the old plays were performed in the sense of there are two main performers and a chorus, if you like one of the main performers being a film. Yeah. <laughs> so there's also a stylistic, if you like, shift that happens in the piece. Because the first piece is very much in the theatre or of the theatre. In many ways, it, it's performed off a text, a written text. And it's performed as a character performing that text. But the character is presented very theatrically in the sense that it's the choices that are being made about about costume, about makeup, about even performance modes um, are very much speak to the theatre. And there are many references in the text to other plays of the theatre. The second part, the Antigone part, is hard to describe. It's much more like performance than theatre because it could be like an oratorio. It could be a kind of mourning song because it's a piece that you could very well imagine the chorus coming onto stage and the, and the conductor raising his baton and the thing starts and because it's very much built around vocal performance even though musically it it's it shifts and changes and there's spoken word in it and, and various other things it's likely to be more like a, a contained poem performed poem than a piece of theater per se and by the time we get to the Tiresias we've shifted into kind of media space with screens and and pre-recorded stuff and we very much moved away from the live perform thing so you know that that's also the sense in which tragedy now exists in many modes in the world not just in the theater and there's a hint of that in in that stylistic shift yeah i i, I think that overall we need to understand this as a play about tragedy rather than a tragedy necessarily so this is not antigone the tragedy but this is a play that explores what tragedy is from a variety of different perspectives, stylistically, in terms of different character positions or positions within society. And I hope that it is understood to be part of a much broader and ongoing discussion about the topic over time. So with all the different collaborators, you know, Neo 
on the music side, um, Jenny, Faniswa, Craig, everybody coming in and doing their thing shifts the, the conversation in some way or changes the perspective of the conversation in some way. And that is hopefully then fed into a much broader discussion that will carry on over time and that will touch on or, or, or come into relationship with, with writing and with speaking and with other productions that collectively or cumulatively presents uh, an idea of the reimagination of tragedy from our perspective in the South. A huge thank you to Mark for sitting down with me, even though he's so incredibly busy with this project as we move closer and closer to our opening day. Hope you can join us next week. Thank you.